Coffee, Cows, and Crops is produced by the Peace Country Beef and Forage Association and hosted by Extension Coordinator Johanna Murray. On this podcast, we discuss management practices and research results with scientists, ranchers, researchers, and farmers. We strive to share innovative information and farming practices supported by sound science and practical wisdom. So grab a cup of coffee and let's get learning. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Coffee, Cows, and Crops. In today's episode, we're chatting with Shalene Gerbig and Surendra Bratrai about SARDA Ag Research and the practices that they are looking at under the Peace Region Living Lab. But before we get into the fun stuff, Shalene, can you talk a little bit about what SARDA is? SARDA Ag Research is a nonprofit organization that was started in 1986. Um, it was local producers that wanted to see some local research done. And so that's how SARTA started. Uh, we predominantly focused in the MDS Smoky River initially, but now we cover five different municipalities in the Southern Peace area. So those municipalities are Big Lakes County, Green, MDA Greenview, County of Grand Prairie, Northern Sunrise County, and the MD of Smoky River. We've been doing local research since 1986, and what's exciting this year is we are building a new facility, and we hope to be into our facility by the end of March this spring. So that's exciting for us. Right on. And Surrender, I, I know Shalene's extension uh, coordinator, but can you... Give me a quick overview of what you do with SARDA. My position in SARDA is a research scientist. So I basically look after the data analysis and interpreting the data and writing a report out of it. And I also put my effort to write grant proposals. So. Cool. So SARDA is one of the partner groups participating in the Peace Region Living Lab. And each group kind of has a different group of core producers that they're working with. So what practices are you guys looking at with your producers under the Living Lab? We have quite a few different practices that we are looking at. Um, One producer, we are looking at the underseeding of red clover and how including red clover in your production can actually improve soil health. We hear it does, but we don't really have any firm data on that. We have another producer that's doing fowl bluegrass, which is a perennial grass species. That's for, both of those are for forage seed production. The fowl bluegrass is brand new and is just being registered. And it was designed or bred in this area. So it's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a producer doing vermiculture. We have a producer doing endophyte applications on his products. We have intercropping and we even have uh, subsoiling. And we have incorporation of cattle and organic production. So we have a wide <laughs> range of different projects. Those are the ones that the farmers are actually doing. But we also have a number of small plots that we're doing as well. And those will be kind of out of the box kind of practices that we're gonna try and see if they actually will work. Um, Surrender, Mm -hmm. do you wanna talk about those a bit more? 
Sure. Okay. As a part of Living Lab project, we have four small plot trials. So where we were looking at optimizing the intercropping for the peace region, mm -hmm. where we are looking at looking for the intercropping with uh, pulse and cereals and pulse and oils. And also we are also looking for the suitability of lupine as an intercrop with uh, cereal and oil seed. Mm -hmm. So we are looking at the intercropping of lupine, which is a very new crop. Uh, Celine might be discussing about lupine later, but uh, we are also studying about the suitability of lupine as intercrop. Now, last year, like 2022, we studied about the lupine viability in the peace region, and we found out lupine will actually doing good in this climatic region. So we want to dig further and then want to study uh, about the lupine suitability as an intercrop with cereals and the legume, cereals and the alseed. Right. And the next project we are looking at is using agricultural lime to reclaim the acidic soil. Mm. So in that case, we are looking at granular and liquid lime. And Sarda has been doing a lot of research on wood ash, which is uh, good uh, for the soil, I mean, soil health. And uh, wood ash is also supposed to reclaim some of the acidic soil. So we are thinking to look into the wood ash uh, granular agricultural lime and the liquid lime as a soil amendments to reclaim the acidic soil. Right. So, and we are also looking at uh, the relay cropping of winter cereal with annual crops. Mm -hmm. So, in that case, we are looking at uh, covering the ground like with uh, green stuff uh, for through whole winter. Like, uh, we will be doing uh, relay cropping with uh, spring wheat, with fall rye, winter triticale, winter wheat, and Italian ryegrass. And uh, we are trying to see, de uh, determine the optimum seeding rate of winter cereal interseeded with annual cereals. Right. Spring wheat. Okay. Those all seem like good practices to look at. I know PCBFA has done some fall and spring cereals intercropped before, and they've done, they did really well last year for sure. <laughs> so I'll be interested to hear more about that project once you've got some results. Also, Shalene, you mentioned endophytes and is that something that they're spraying on? Can you tell me a little bit more about that? I don't know an awful lot about it. We have a researcher in Saskatoon mm. and a producer in the Peace Region that's been using this application for a number of years. We want to see what it's actually doing so yeah. we in the same field, we will have some application of these endophytes and some that's not. So we'll be comparing the two to see. And they've been looking at different formats and different forms of the actual endophyte solution. So as we go, we'll learn more about it <laughs> and see. I anticipate that it will have changed a little bit from what our producer has been doing yeah. in the past. It's supposed to be easier to handle and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I'm excited to learn more about it. And what is an endophyte? You're going to ask the tough questions. I am. <laughs> uh, from my understanding, it's a biological compound okay. that was identified in plants that were actually populating on tailings piles in the oil sands. And so they've taken this compound and refined it to a form where we can apply it on crops and see if it actually increases a plant's ability to produce. 
Because nothing generally grows on tailings piles, right? Gotcha. Yeah. Endophytes are uh, living organisms, and um, they are basically bacteria or fungi that are growing inside the plant and helping plant to get more nutrients or uh, tolerate uh, some abiotic stress. Mm. Interesting. Okay. So much like PCBFA and our producers, I know Sarda's got some experience with a lot of the practices you're looking at, or at least some of the <laughs> some of the stuff around it, right? Like you guys have got a lot of um, a lot of forage research that you've done previously and that sort of thing, and you've done some intercropping research and that sort of stuff. So can you talk a little bit about some of the work you've done in the past on these topics and kind of what your expectations are? So, like, uh, from the past, like, we have been doing uh, so many uh, intercropping and underseeding trials. And then, uh, like, because we are heavily focused on forest seed production side, where we are looking after the intercrop, like, underseeding of the forest seed, because forest seed are, uh, they, they produce seed in the second year of their uh, production cycle. So, for the first year, they were underseeded with uh, annual crops like canola mm -hmm. and then uh, harvested in the next year. So, this is relatively new practice, I guess, but still we have been trying to do so many work on uh, applying uh, growth regulators uh, to see how we can... Uh, uh, optimize uh, seed production with underseeding, especially with canola. So, with the actual intercropping of annual crops that we've done in the past, um, we've been focusing on production and land use equivalency with the theory that if you seed two crops together, you increase your production overall on that area, mm -hmm. um, while you might take a cut in one of the annual crops or both of their in their production. So our focus has been on land use equivalency and producing more by combining crops. Right. Um, there's still lots to learn. There's challenges with intercropping in even something so simple as combining. How do you set your combine and which seed do you actually protect? when they may have different uh, maturity rates. So there's a lot of work to be done with the intercropping, but it is interesting and uh, we've, we're still going ahead with it and trying to find that magic combination. And regarding the underseeding for his uh, seed crops, like for perennial ryegrass, it has been a very common practice to underseed with canola. Mm. And uh, in future, we are planning to do more on underseeding of other forest uh, seed crops like uh, creeping red fescue, timothy, and those crops. And there is a one report where it was uh, found underseeding with canola, the yield will reduce. So maybe because you know, canola is a heavy feeder and then leaving less uh, for the the underseeded forest seed crops but we wanted to see and try with uh, different crops it has been very common and very good practice with perennial ryegrass but with uh, talking about other forest crops which the producers are growing here and then they are sacrificing one first year without any crop we want to see and test if uh, those uh, underseeding with uh, for example creeping red fescue and uh, timothy are actually feasible in this climatic zone in the peace region. That makes sense. So, um, you've talked about it a little bit, but 
Uh, what kind of crops are you looking at under seeding and why are you looking at those ones? So you've talked about um, the red clover. Mm -hmm. um, so why did you pick red clover? Is it just because the, the producer was already using it? And, and what's he under seeding it with? When we talked to the producers, we talked uh, both about red clover and alcite clover. Mm. And our, our producer that's growing them actually has experience growing both. So his choice to be underseeding this year is red clover because prices are very good right now. Um, but that doesn't mean if things change that he wouldn't seed alcite in his rotation. They're kind of interchangeable. Uh, the alcite has the advantage of being a little bit earlier in the season, and it's not as susceptible to the case bear right. moth larvae that red clover is. So our producers are experienced in growing both. And the other crops that we're talking about under seeding in our small plot which is the winter wheat, uh, winter triticale, and fall rye. Uh, those are crops that we have, excluding the winter trit, we have actually grown those crops and done some research on them in the past, but we don't know whether we can seed them at the same time as an annual crop or if we can seed them after we spray uh, with the new GPS and tracking technology, they can actually seed between the rows now. Right. Which is something that they could do a number of years ago where it wasn't easily done, but now they can do that. So it's opened up another aspect that we can try. And like I say, some of these thoughts are outside of the normal thinking, but we still want to see if that's something that has merit. Yeah, for sure. And winter triticale, we're not that familiar with it. We don't know if it survives well in this area. It may be that it'll winter kill. We don't know. But keeping that live plant root in the ground is something that we want to experiment with. Yeah. If you can get it in the ground the first year, then it reduces your risk for the next year because you don't have to worry about what the spring's like because it's already in the ground. <laughs> It could potentially, or we might actually be green seeding into it if we have a poor stand. So there's different options we can go with that. And that's why we kind of played around a bit with the seeding rate mm -hmm. on those uh, small plot trials. That makes sense. And going back to the red clover, what are you seeding that one with? I never asked that question yet. That's a <laughs> spring decision. Ah, I see. <laughs> Generally, the red clover is seeded with a cereal. Mm -hmm which gives you better herbicide control. But with the new canola hybrids out there, it's not out of the realm to yeah. seed it with something else. Cool. That makes sense. So, yeah, we've talked a little bit about the forages, and I know a unique part of the cash crop industry in the piece is that we can grow forage for seed up here. So... Uh, are any of your producers looking into other BMPs aside from like underseeding with their forage seed crops? The particularly the grass forage seed, um, those are long-term perennial crops. They're able to get a number of years production out of them, depending on the grass, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so that is a plus if you talk about uh, keeping 
crop in the soil for a long time. So there is that. Um, the clovers and we talked about the lupins, they have the potential to fix nitrogen, which could reduce your synthetic nitrogen applications in the future. So that's also a plus. Mm -hmm. So those are things that are happening with our producers. Uh, the other thing that they're focused on, a lot of the producers, is the four R's of fertility. And some of the stuff that we are able to do with the forage grass seeds and stuff is apply fertilizer differently. We can do split applications. We can do liquid. There's these different things that producers have access to. So there's more than just the seed part of it. There are other benefits to it. The forage seed industry in the Peace Region is actually 40% of the Canadian acres. So it is an important industry in this area. For sure. Yeah, I did an episode with Talon from the Peace Forage Seed Association here earlier this year, I think. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's very interesting to me because, of course, I didn't grow up in the area, so <laughs> it's brand new. I think we are the second largest producer of forage seed after Oregon. That sounds right. So I know perennials are generally better for the soils than annuals just because, like you say, you keep that living root in the soil for longer. But I imagine that comes with its own set of challenges when it comes to management. So what sort of challenges do you deal with in perennial forages you're growing for seed as opposed to like a cash crop? Or are there some different challenges, perennial versus annual? There are some different challenges with the forage seed. There is limited herbicide controls. Just because it's a smaller industry, you don't have a lot of controls that are on the label. So we've done an extensive amount of research on user-requested minor use label expansion, or ERMOs. Ah. Yeah, got to go with the acronyms. <laughs> so there's those challenges. There's also challenges with production. There's ways to increase production and standability. Um, namely, we've been doing a lot of work with PGRs. Mm -hmm. So those are also uh, big into for forage seed production. I already alluded to it a little bit, the four R's of fertilizer application. Because a lot of the fertilizer application is top spread, it can be gassing off and stuff. So there's work to be done on that. And then there's simple things like harvest challenges. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the correct equipment, you're going to have a tough time harvesting <coughs> those seed grasses and, and clovers. I imagine. And doing more on that, like uh, Calvin is doing a lot of work on for plant growth regulators, which is uh, like the main idea behind working on plant growth regulator is forage are tend to grow very big mm -hmm. because the breeder develop a forage variety for the biomass and then they grow bigger and then there is a high possibility of losing which causes the seed yield losses right. and for that reason uh, like Sharda is doing a lot of work on plant growth regulators so that they can reduce the losing and increase the seed yield which is uh, mainly reducing the seed loss during the harvest. And one of one of the next uh, big challenge, I would say, 
among the perennial growers is transition from perennial cropping to the annuals. Mm. Because a perennial crop, they should be in the field for at least two years, one for establishment year, second for production year. By the time they have grown a very big biomass of their uh, network under the soil, which is very challenging for the producer, and they have to apply a lot of uh, herbicides to kill those perennial crops and transition to the annual crop. Mm-hmm. So in that case, like producer have been using a lot of uh, herbicide just to transition from perennial crops to annual. So in that case also, like Sarda is looking forward to find some uh, environmental and sustainable way of uh, transitioning from uh, perennial to the annual. So uh, we also found a lot of challenge among the producer in those transitions. Yeah, that makes sense. Another one I wanted to ask you guys about is industrial hemp, because I know you guys have done a lot more work on that than PCBFA has. <laughs> and you mentioned it when we were discussing this episode. So can you talk a little bit about the kinds of hemp we can grow in the piece and just sort of why it's something you're working on? Okay, so Sarda Research has been doing a lot of work with industrial hemp. We started with mainly variety trials. We discovered that we can really grow fiber hemp here. We have good production. So that led into fertility trials and seeding date trials. We also looked at seeding rate trials. And in 2022, we started doing herbicide trials, Mm. trying to do those ermos for (laughs) the industrial hemp. We do have a fledgling industry starting in the area where they are setting up a decordation plant that is planned to be operational in 2023. And what's a decordation plant? Decordation is a plant that will actually separate the fibers from the hemp stems, and it can be sent out as raw material, rather than shipping out the whole plant, which is quite costly. Right, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And we still do the variety trials. Mm -hmm. So with our industrial hemp, we are basically doing two different types of hemp. We are doing the fiber hemp, which is the one that we have the new industry on. But there's also some grain hemp research that we're doing. Grain hemp is currently under contract production only, Mm. and it requires that you combine it. Right. So it's safe for... Uh, the health food market and oil seed. Um, if anybody's eaten hemp hearts, that comes from the grain hemp. Right. So, that makes sense. And how does it grow up here? Well, the fiber hemp grows quite well. We've had fiber hemp that has been uh, 10 feet tall. So it does quite well here. Um, It can be a little challenging to deal with, although we are learning. We cut the crop usually early August. It's cut down. It's laid down on the ground in the swath for several weeks. Um, They call that redding. So basically the material around the fibers rots or softens up. Then the material of the crop is baled, and that's when it would go to a decordation plant. 
as a bale. So we also do some grain hemp. There is also a group of hemp varieties that are dual purpose. Mm -hmm. So you can clip the tops and harvest the hemp seed and then still ret the bottom for uh, fiber. Right. It doesn't grow as tall. There are challenges. Um, basically, you're cutting probably eight feet in the air, which we don't really have the equipment <laughs> for yet. Yeah. Um, but it is a possibility in the future. Neat. The other thing that we don't know about hemp is how it actually affects soil health. Right. So I may have missed it in our list of different projects, but we also have a producer that is growing industrial <laughs> hemp, and we'll, and he is including it into his rotation, and we'll go back into industrial hemp in four years. So we'll get to see how it actually affects the soil as well. Right. So we don't know. It's one of those things we don't know. Nobody's measured it. Yeah. So... That's one thing the Peace Region Living Labs will do is actually put some numbers to these practices mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and see what they're actually doing, how they're affecting soil health. Yeah. And uh, for the hemp thing, the field production and processing of this uh, multi-purpose crop is different than the annual or cereals and oilseed crop we are regularly doing. So we are lacking a lot of agronomic knowledge but for telling to the producers how to do those things. And Sarda is looking forward to do a lot of work on hemp agronomy and management work so that we have some information to share with the producers in coming futures. Right. I can see that being a challenge. That's <laughs> a big challenge, like with similar with the flax thing, mm. because both are very fibrous and then often stuck when combining. Right. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, something so simple as seeding rate can really affect your fiber hemp production. Oh. Because if you have your stems that are too thin, so if you seed really head heavy, then you don't get the production of the herd or the short fibers on the interior of the stem. If you don't seed enough, <coughs> as too light, then you end up with these great big heavy stalks and all you have is the herd. So there's a combination, you gotta find the right combination there to get the most out of your hemp crop. Right. And some of that's a little bit of guess work and some of, we're getting closer to getting mm -hmm. some recommended seeding rates. Cool. The other big part of uh, the Peace Region Living Lab is the socioeconomic piece or the piece where they talk about numbers and and money and all that fun stuff so what do you think is going to be the most interesting project that you're working on in terms of like economics what or what results are you most looking forward to for sure it will be the intercropping trial where we are looking forward to increase the land equivalent ratio right which directly connects with the increasing the the economics of the production per unit land area right so that is somewhere we are looking forward to in 
the more we increase the land equivalent ratio or the more production we can get from the intercropping trial which at the same time if it is legume and cereal or legume and oil seed intercropping where we have uh, some uh, some long-term investment on the soil health through the legume crops mm -hmm. which is uh, reducing the nitrogen um, uh, fertilizer cost in the long run yeah so one direct benefit will be the production and then second will be the long-term investment in the soil as a part of uh, uh, accepting or uh, or doing the bmp practices right like intercropping with legumes and uh, maybe endophytes even a lot of these practices allow you the producer to spread out his workload Mm. as well mm -hmm. which may give the producer more time with his family more time chasing hockey whatever is important to them mm -hmm. right. if they have a quarter that does not require seeding in the spring well that lessens his load lessens his input costs spreads out that sort of thing so that's that's important too it's got to work with the family life absolutely Interesting to see how that all balances out, or if it all balances out. <laughs> all right, I think that's all I have. Um, if anyone's interested in finding out more about Sarda and the work you're doing, where can they go for all that fun stuff? Probably the quickest way to find out more about Sarda is to visit our website, www.sarda.ca. Um, or if they prefer, they can give us a call. We have newsletters that we send out to all the farm boxes in the municipality of Greenview and Smoky River, Big Lakes County and Northern Sunrise County, and also the county of Grand Prairie. Um, for those that want to find out more about current events, new research, projects that we're doing, results, we have a free electronic email subscription feature that we send you links to different articles about once a week, and that can be found on our homepage on our website. And that's free to anyone that's curious. I suggest not everything is going to be interesting to everybody, but I think you will find something that kind of tweaks your interest in that email. All right. Well, I think that's kind of all the questions I have. Thank you both very much for your time. And uh, as to the listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. This segment has been brought to you by the Peace Region Living Lab. Funding for this project in part has been provided by Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada through the Agricultural Climate Solutions Living Labs program. Stay tuned and follow us on Facebook and Twitter and visit our website at peacelivinglabs.ca for our latest updates.